Sexy Marriage Radio with Dr. Corey Allen, where straight talk is happening about married life, relationships, love, sex, troubles, fantasies, problems, everything and anything in between. So if you want to give us some feedback about the show, feel free to send us an email with any questions or comments at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also jump on iTunes if you like what you hear specifically and give a five-star review. That helps us climb the charts and spread the message that married sex is where the best sex is happening. So last week, Shannon Etheridge joined the show, and we got in, we dove into the world of fantasy life and, and the role fantasy actually plays of what if fantasies, specifically our sexual fantasies, are the brain's way of trying to heal from some trauma and some past kind of things, because fantasy really does serve a purpose. So after the takeaway from that last show, I I have spent some time thinking through it, and it's like, okay, I could see the scenario happening of a a listener listens to this show. They all of a sudden become a little more open to their fantasy life, and they're they're willing to kind of go there. And so they bring their spouse on board, and let's say this spouse does not listen to Sexy Marriage Radio, so they have no (laughs) clue what's going on. And all of a sudden now they are scared out of their mind because (laughs) – all of a sudden, my spouse is exploring all these fantasies, and, oh, man, they are messed up. What do I do? So I'm like, all right, Shannon, you're coming back on the show because we got to talk more about what does the other spouse do when they're scared of the openness and, and the interest or, you know, the floodgates have now sprung forth and, yeah. and, and I, I want to just run, you know, so. It, and it's easy to wonder who is this person? <laughs> who yeah. did I marry? I have, or I who do been, they think I am? Right. That I have I been married to, to you there. for 15 years. What makes you think <laughs> I want to know that about you? <laughs> so. Let, I, I, I was like, all right, Shannon, you got to come back. So thank you for joining the show again. You bet. And and let's 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 talk more about. All right, a spouse is hearing this and they're scared, or the way somebody has explored their fantasy life has not been in a healthy way. Let's say you know it. it you you alluded to that a couple of times last week of someone was acting out on something that it was really just if they would have explored it or if they will explore it, it might limit and decrease or totally wipe out the acting out behaviors. And, and when we say explore, we don't mean go there, Good point. act it out. Right. We, we mean just mentally dissect it, right. process it in the presence of a counselor or your spouse, or just really um, be able to, to look at it from an outsider's perspective. Right. And it's almost that idea of just sit with it and have the, you know, I think of it as a therapist one of the things I would counsel a, a person if I was just – or a couple would be, okay, you have this fantasy that you've been repressing for years and years and years and years. All right, at the next time that happens, or even if you're in my office or not, sit with it and, and ask yourself, what else could this be? Exactly. And, and see what comes up because that might lead you down a path that would be, aha, I'd never thought of it in that light or that's really what this is saying. 
Right. Well, so oftentimes people get freaked out by their own fantasies and assume that it really is about this other person. Right. Well, I must be destined to have sex with my neighbor or my pastor or my boss or whatever. And no, it's usually that that person is in some sort of role. Right. That your fantasies go in that direction for a reason. Um, right. And I think that one of the most common ones uh, while we're on this topic is uh, women do fantasize about older men who are in authority over them. Huh. Well, what, what does that, that describe? <laughs> yeah, that if they didn't have a really close, intimate connection with their own fathers where they felt safe and cherished and loved and celebrated, then guess what? They're going to try to project that right. onto someone else. But it's not about the someone else. Right. It's about the projection. Um like, let's say, for example, you walk into your living room and your teenage son is projecting a pornographic movie on the screen. Are you going to get mad at the screen? <laughs> Heavens no. The screen has nothing to do with what's going on. It's about why would this person project that image? That's yeah. what we have to look at is why would I project this image and don't project it onto someone else? Look at where that image is coming from. Okay. And that's and that's good because that, that allows for the spouse that's coming late to the game if you will you know the the scenario i did at the beginning of this show of a spouse is now all of a sudden wrestling with some of these things and so i decided you know i'm going to bring my wife in on this and she's like what in the world are you doing i have no clue who you are mm -hmm. so you're saying what if you can kind of look at it as all right let's not be threatened by this let's do the same kind of thing that the person would do with their fantasy where they would constantly run from it so as a spouse, don't run from it. Sit with that discomfort for a little bit and let's see where it could go. See if you can be a healing force in their life. Um, the example that comes to mind is a lady that came to our workshops. She was so embarrassed that she continued to struggle with porn, even in her late 40s. And it was not a struggle that her husband has. So it's kind of the reverse of the stereotypical. My right. husband wants to look at porn. I don't. Right. For her, it was I do and he doesn't. Um, but I asked her, what words do you go do you put in your google search engine right and he was really flabbergasted that i'd asked that question <laughs> you can't talk about even, that yeah <laughs> she'd never even thought about what significance those particular words have right and um she, she took me for a walk around the block so that she could tell me privately that what she searches for is threesomes and I said, well, that's actually a pretty common one. She said, yeah, but it's not the it's not the direction that you think. She said, the threesome that I'm looking for is two men and one and one woman. Okay. And so I began asking further questions about what she experienced in her childhood. And she was repeatedly sexually abused by an older brother. Yep. And her parents were so stoned out of their minds that they were just totally checked out most of the time. What she would fantasize about when she was going through that painful experience of being sexually abused by her brother is I wish my younger brother would walk in the room and stop this, that that was her only, he was the only one in the household that wasn't that could, stoned out yeah. of his mind. Yeah. That had the capacity to do something to really help her. Yeah. That could interrupt this cycle of abuse. So you can imagine how that fantasy would carry itself over into her adulthood as two men and one woman together. But the, the thing is, is that her husband, was not comfortable with this fantasy, but once she was able to go back home and help him understand where it even comes right. from, 
that put a whole new lens in front of his eyes. And he said, okay, well, here's the, the deal I'm willing to make with you. I don't feel comfortable searching that out or looking at new images of that. But if that's a fantasy that you need to entertain in order to feel safe in our marriage bed, I'm willing to hold you and be that sounding board. And I will not be offended or repulsed. That alone gave her so much more freedom right. in their marriage bed to be intimate with her husband instead of running and grabbing her laptop. Right. And the beauty thing, the beautiful thing is that typically, unless you're talking about serious trauma, the brain can heal itself. You know, we, we can find healing. Yep. If, if, We're wounded in relationship. We, we can be healed in relationship, exactly. but it doesn't have to be the same relationship. Exactly. And that's the one thing that's so interesting is because so many things are so dark and can be turned in such negative ways that, one, people aren't interested in going there anymore because it's just repulsive or whatever. And then, and then right. the other is other people aren't willing to go there with them. Right. It can be very scary and it can be very intimidating. Yeah. But when her husband recognized that I actually can be the hero in this fantasy, I actually can hold my wife very close, very tenderly and just whisper in her ear. It's OK. Right. You're safe with me. Right. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. It's OK. It, I mean, just to invite to invite her to experience her pain, but to heal right. even in the midst of the fantasy, you're right. It was incredibly powerfully healing for her. And that's one of the things that I think of it in the frame of the masculine energy versus the feminine energy, which I've talked about before on Sexy Marriage Radio, is that one of the roles, I mean, the way I describe it, just because I don't know if you're familiar with where I'm going with this, Shannon, but just so you kind of get an idea, and if anybody listening is, is new to the show, welcome, by the way, if you are. Um, one of the things I think of is you know, the feminine energy is like the river that it's really, really strong and it's really powerful, but it's also really, really fluid. Masculine energy is like the river bank. It helps mm -hmm. shape the river, but it, and, and helps sometimes define it. But as we all know, rivers can define the bank just as easily. Right. Can overflow. Yeah. Especially mm -hmm. in time, it'll carve through things. But one of the things I've noticed in my marriage and for sure I've noticed with my daughter is when she, when the feminine is is a little chaotic if they have something solid to bounce up against they feel better yes you know it's kind of like i want you to help me feel better about me just by you being you and it's not that i'm going to prop you up and make it all go away it's just i'm going to be solid enough in myself to stand with you in this and right that's what you're talking about and for a woman to know that I can share with my husband what types of thoughts really get my sexual juices flowing without fear that he's going to judge me right. or that he's going to run away or that he's going to throw it in my face, that he can just be present in that moment with me. That is incredibly bonding for a woman. Talk about emotional connection. Yeah. And that's exactly what women crave is they want to be known for who they are, right. not who their husbands think they are, <laughs> but who they really are. Right. And that's, Sometimes that's scary to get there, <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, it but it's worth it. I mean, it is, it is one of those that it's worth, I, I don't know. It's like we talked about last week of, of being willing to go into uncharted waters and where, where you are nervous and you are, it, it's unknown. I like, I don't know where this is going to lead, but, right. but the more I'm comfortable in myself and my ability to handle something, the more I'm willing to go there because I know I can. I'll stop, but when I'll stop when it gets too far, or, and then I'll realize we can go again next time or talk more right. next time. Right. Yeah. 
I, I completely agree that that when a husband or really when a wife, I mean, it works both ways. Right. When a wife is able to say to her husband, your sexual fantasies don't scare me. They don't intimidate me. They don't anger or repulse me. And I know that it's not about me or anything that I'm lacking. This is about the fact that you are a fallen human being living in a fallen world and you have your own sexual and emotional baggage from the things that you experienced in life. But I am here for you and I am the woman that you can feel safe right. unpacking this with. Right. And I, and I want to go on this journey with you. Yeah. I, I want to go on this journey with you and experience that. I mean, that man, think of where you could go. With and that. how much healing could take place mm -hmm. as individuals and in your marriage. Because mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that we all start out in the early years of our marriage. Yeah, there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of passion and pleasure. But I think there's also a lot of wounding. Yeah, um, there is. Because it's awkward. We, we do the wrong thing. We say the wrong thing. We expect the wrong thing. And that creates a lot of baggage that sometimes it takes years to overcome. <laughs> it sometimes is not overcome because they don't realize what's actually contributing to it. Right. You don't you don't realize because that's I, I could sit here and think of a listener that's going, yeah, OK, Shannon and Corey, I, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, I don't have any major trauma like that. I don't have, you know, because that's what that's the one interesting anytime you read a book. And I know you since you've written a lot of books, we find the ones we find the examples that make our point, And they're usually uh, they're a little beyond the normal as far, if you will, on the examples, yeah. because those are the ones that are those are huge. To, to, right. to bring in to help prove our point or our dynamic that we're trying to get across. But a lot of people, yeah, okay, so I don't have the major wounding. I, I don't have the, I was abused by a parent or a sibling or, a, but we still have wounding. And I think that's important to realize. And I don't think that it requires major trauma in no, life in order all. to create fantasies or fetishes or things that we don't quite understand. Um, another case illustration from my coaching practice is um, one man was in a whole heap of trouble with his wife because he had been on a business trip and he had asked a couple of coworkers if they would be willing to give him their dirty pantyhose in exchange for new unopened packages of pantyhose. I mean, this was premeditated. He right. went to the store, he bought oh, yeah. these pantyhose, he packed them in his suitcase. Well, of course she pitched a conniption fit and rightfully so. <laughs> this would be the wife, uh, right? And, and, this, huh? would, this would be the wife when she finds out about this, she is, is upset. <laughs> you're saying, okay, keep yeah. going. Sorry. Yeah, she, she spun a little out of control, rightfully so. Um, and so when she found out about this, because the coworkers were, they were not flattered. They were quite offended and shocked and disgusted. Um, so they come into uh, my office to kind of unpack some of this. And um, I asked him, I said, have you ever given any thought to where your pantyhose fetish comes from? And he said, you mean you know, when I became a pervert or why I'm a pervert? And I said, well, <laughs> would it impact you at all if I said I don't think that you're a pervert? I just think that you have some unresolved issues or just some unknown there's things. There's something else behind that. Right. Yes. That behind every fetish, there's an origin. There's a root there. And so as I started asking him questions, he explained that he had a, a couple of much older brothers. And they would go out and do really fun stuff, go on their dirt bikes and, and just roam the neighborhood. But he was too young. And okay. so he can remember as early as three, four years old when his brothers would run off and do the adventuresome daring stuff. He, the only option he had was to go next door to his grandmother's. Well, his grandmother um, would frequently 
cross her legs and prop him up on her ankle and give him the proverbial pony ride. Yep. Well, he figured out even as early as three years old that it feels much better when she gives him the pony ride when she has pantyhose on. And he okay. said, I can remember going in, over to her house one morning and she was still in her robe, didn't have her pantyhose on. And he said, I went and opened her drawer and took a pair of pantyhose to her and said, here, Granny, put these on. Right. This fetish started very early, but what did he feel in his grandmother's home? He felt loved, mm -hmm. welcomed, uh, cherished, celebrated, safe. All, all good of the things. things. Yeah, all yes. good, innocent things. Exactly. All very good things. So when his wife understood more about where this comes from, she was able to say, okay, well, how about if we just make the rule that you don't ask other women for their pantyhose, but if you would like my pantyhose, I'm comfortable with that. Okay. And I applauded her. Absolutely. It was like, good for you for understanding that this is not a sick and twisted perversion right. unless he's right. acting out on it with other women. But if it's something that they can just share intimately, privately, it scratches his itch and it doesn't offend her, then more power to her. But I, I said to her, um, you know, I just have to ask, where did you find the courage to just be okay with this? And she said, well, my first husband's fetish was child pornography. So this feels mild in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I would imagine it would. Yeah, yeah. So, but again, learning to be compassionate with yeah. one another's fantasies and thought life and, and what arouses you sexually, I think that it just is a very bonding experience to learn that about one another and to feel safe in each other's presence in that regard. Yeah, so I'm also thinking you could have, if you got the spouse that's coming late to the game, you know, like this whole show's about, that. I'm finding out things about my spouse that I, <laughs> they scare me. I, I could see the benefit and the merit of that person also wrestling with why does this scare me? What's so exactly. threatening? What's so threatening about this? You know, is it put it in context of is it something that it's just an emotional reaction and there's really nothing behind it as far as it's just my I just don't want it as opposed to wait what is so scary about this? What is because I, I, what comes to my mind, Shannon, is the whole idea, and, and this is just one of my fundamental beliefs, that we meet and fall in love with people that are on the same growth, quote unquote, as ourselves. Yeah. You know, it, it, differentiation is a psychobabble term, but, you know, it's a Murray Bowen, and then it's kind of been expanded from there. But it's one of those that we meet and fall in love with people that are really close in their own development as ourselves. Otherwise, it wouldn't last. You know, I wouldn't tolerate somebody that's much more immature, and I also the, a person that's much more mature wouldn't tolerate my immaturity. So those are the short, short-lived relationships. So if you're in a marriage that's been going on any length of time, it's very likely the way they your spouse has dealt with things, or has these fantasies or these fetishes or anything like that. There's a crossover effect that hits close to home within you somehow. Not that it's right. not that it's apples it to apples. It could be the opposite imprint of your trauma right. of, of even going in that direction feels traumatic to me. Right. Uh, what we have to remember, though, is that to say, oh, I don't want to go there. Don't bring this up. I don't want to talk about it. You're really just sticking your head in the sand. And the ostrich is much more vulnerable with its head in the sand than when its head is up and looking around. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, just, I think of it rather than much more vulnerable. I think of it. If you put your head in the sand, you got to look right where it puts your butt. Exactly. It's perfect to get kicked. <laughs> And that's very, typically very what vulnerable. life will do. You know, it'll just come and kick you in the rear if, yeah. you're not, if you try to just act like nothing's happening. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's much more helpful to to dissect it together and understand its roots and its origins and to take the sting out of it and to to exercise power over it instead of letting it overpower you. And that's where you have a whole bunch of resources too. I mean, you you, you have therapists that would be willing to sit with you most of most likely a therapist would be willing to sit with you through this. Right. And and all right, let's just unpack this. Let's just talk about where this may go without an agenda. And that's kind of I think that's important because you can have lots of times where I want to steer this someplace in my life that, oh, well, it must mean this. Well, maybe it doesn't. Right. And exactly. So- and I think that it was about 10 years ago that I went to my counselor for the sole purpose of I have this fantasy. It's not in line with my spiritual values. It's not something I would ever act out on. But I'm, I want to understand why it's a recurring theme right. in my thought life when sexual energies get high. And she was able to help me unpack that. And it was so incredibly insightful. That's great. Very thankful for that journey. And I hope that everybody will embark upon their own journey to understand their own sexual thoughts uh, better. And you think about it, Corey, if, um, if you look at all the major social issues going on in our world, um, you know, children being abducted and sexually abused, uh, women being sold into human trafficking. I mean, the, the list could go on and on, you know, unplanned pregnancies and STDs and all that. If everyone in the world could press the pause button and seek help on understanding their own sexual fantasies and, and taking control of them rather than being controlled by them, how would that impact all these major social issues? Wouldn't the world be such a safer place? Yeah, it, it'd almost be Eden. If you go biblically speaking real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's true. It, it but would, think of how much safer your marriage will be yeah. if you develop this understanding and compassion for each other and for yourself. Yeah, and that's something that one of the things I've loved about Gina, which if you're late to the show, you know, Gina was a co-host that I had for a long time. She had the statement that if you could heal the sexual trauma and wounds of God's people, you would heal God's people. Mm, very and it's true. a great statement to think of. Man, you think of how much our sexuality, because it's all of us. I mean, it's part of who we are. It's part of what makes us unique is our sexuality and our sexual desires and our sexual dreams and all of that. It's part of what makes us quintessentially human. Right. We can't turn it off. There's no no switch that we can flip. No. So it it is one of those that if you can look into – the thing I love about what you're bringing to the table, Shannon, is if you can look at it differently – and I could reframe it and will be willing to explore it. Doesn't mean I, I. It's not at all saying act on it, recreate it, make it happen. It's just saying right. no. Let's talk. Let's let, be. Don't be afraid of it, and just look. But how, at it. Well, how many couples do exactly that because they don't understand it? They think it's something that they actually want. Right. And I know that there are many couples who have brought a third person into their bedroom because the threesome is a, a standard fantasy. And he gets really bewildered when all of a sudden she can't orgasm with him alone because she's just used to having another person. I mean, it can totally destroy a marriage right. to act out fantasies instead of just dissecting and, and looking at where they come from. Right. And that's it. It's just being because I think the ultimate goal of all of this and this is the ultimate goal of Sexy Marriage Radio is is for each person individually to be better in their in their life, in their marriage, in their sex, in their sexuality. It's for it's for us to be more whole. It's for us to be more developed, to be more grown up, to, to be able to then the benefit of that is we get to experience more. 
Yeah. And for those who are listening that come at this um, from a, a faith perspective, I know that toenails are probably being curled and what I mean, any thought <laughs> other than, you know, my spouse is you know completely uh, you know, sinful or wrong right. or whatever. Let me just challenge them with this thought. We are challenged to or we are told to take thoughts captive right. and make them obedient to Christ. Well, how in the world do you take a thought captive if you don't have any understanding of where that thought comes from? Right. I think that that is a foundational step in lining up our spirituality and our sexuality is to understand where the fantasy comes from, where the thought comes from, what it does for us, and then we can take it captive, and then we won't feel the need to act out on it or experiment or explore in that direction. Right, because that's the because you can't control thoughts in the sense of what actually comes into your brain, but you can control what you do with it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a that's a huge point. So. I don't know to kind of wrap all this up. Let's let's kind of let's kind of put a nice little bow on this, if you will. Um, you you got a spouse that now they're they're both kind of exploring it. You know they're both a little more open because I I don't know I would believe that there's going to be a high desire and a low desire in this too. There's going to be one that's more interested in exploring it and one that's not as much. Sure. So it's almost like all right. Just be willing to see how that unfolds. There's not a right or wrong way to do this. It's just a don't be afraid of it. So I, exactly. guess there is, I guess there is a wrong way then. Be afraid of it and not go there. But it's just kind of, all right, sit with it and see what see where it goes. Well, I think that we can have a healthy fear. Respect the fact Good that point. there are boundaries around our marriage relationship and that acting these things out, experimenting and exploring in that direction is not an option, that we're merely – talking about this together, looking at our lives, looking at our earliest childhood experiences, especially those sexual experiences that right. were flung on us long before we were really ready to process those things and, and try to figure out where it comes from. Right. That alone in and of itself is enough sometimes to give people so much more peace with the sexual being that they are. And if we can help both husbands and wives just be more comfortable and confident in their own skin, Think of how that's going to impact the marriage bed. That, Think of oh, that, that how much energy that's going to bring to their sex life. That changes everything. I mean, that yeah. that makes this whole thing just that never-ending uphill journey that you enjoy, not that's just taxing. Obviously, there's times where it's work, and it's and it's not as pretty and pleasant. But if you think about it, that I mean, research continues to show the best sex happening is in marriage, and those marriages have been going on a while before they mm -hmm. get to that point. You know, it takes a while. I, I still have not found the study, but I was at a conference a couple of years ago and somebody referenced a study that said whatever hypothesis they took from it, that's why I want to find the study to see if it's really true. But the point was, this guy's th thought was intimacy could not actually even become close to possible until 18 years, at least, into a relationship. And yeah, that, that sounds about right, because yeah. I know that there, there are couples who've been married 20, 30 years who tell me, I've never told my spouse this. Yeah. And it's like, well, how many more decades are you going to waste before you get really open, honest, and, and real with each other? Right. And a lot of that I is, fact, go ahead. I love the fact that my husband knows everything about me and loves me anyway. Right. And that's that's a huge statement. It's we, very comforting. It is. And it and it, it involves each each spouse becoming much more comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. And, and, and being able to say, this is me. You know, that's one of my great quotes that I have on my site actually is I'll paraphrase it. Things from Bill Hybels. It's the, this is me. 
I'm not completely proud of it, but this is who I am. You know, not, not every aspect of it am I proud of it, but this is who I am, you know, and being willing to take that and share that, that's the path to greatness and, and, and better marriages and better sex and better life. Yep. Offering our broken selves to one another unreservedly. <laughs> Great point. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio with Dr. Corey Allen. I was joined by Shannon Etheridge. So thank you again for your time, Shannon. You bet. Thanks for having me on, Corey. It's been a fun ride. So wherever you are and whatever you're doing, thanks for taking the time out to listen to our show. Uh, spread the word. We'd love, to, we'd love to have more people join the family and experience the best sex going on possible in their own marriage, in their own married bed. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, hope it's great. Talk to you again soon.